Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. Sights to show you. Strange Eons. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric over there. Hello. That's Vanessa over there. Hello. That must mean I'm Kelly. Uh, we are back now one week from the Lovecraft Film Festival. We did a little wrap up while we were there, but Vanessa, I got to tell you, our, our tasting... On Sunday, our whiskey <laughs> and gin tasting oh, was spectacular. <sighs> then we followed it with yes. a visit to, I believe it's pronounced Hail Pele. What? I think so. Which okay. is a famous tiki bar down in Portland. Oh. And it was so much fun. Yeah. You know what? I saw the photos and I was very jelly. So, <laughs> lots mission of accomplished. Fire, lots yeah. of Lots of uh, beautiful women in tight dresses, Amazing. pouring flaming drinks, and then throwing powdered cinnamon on it to make them explode. Yes. It was, it was oh, really cool. Yeah, we lucked incredible. out. It was one of the guys who went was like a regular, mm -hmm. and they have like a, a, a specific area that's kind of quartered off just a little bit that you have to reserve. Yeah. And apparently, people who had it reserved canceled their <gasps> reservation. So as we're coming in, the lady looks at him and goes, how many people in your group? He's like eight or something. He's like, you want to use that? Oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, like, it was yay. it was fun. The oh. food was great. The drinks were great. And the atmosphere was great. And of course, yes. the company was fantastic. Oh, amazing. So that was really cool. Um, and Plus, then we... uh, okay, say that the one of the last blocks of shorts we saw was full of incredible shorts. Yeah. There was oh, some, really? There was some good stuff showing up on ah. that final day. So, and then, of course, this weekend, as we're recording this right now, is the streaming. Did you do anything with the streaming, Eric? I, you can get them, and you have until, like, Tuesday to start watching them. Oh, okay. So I'm going to... I watched a little bit, but I'll probably watch a bunch, you know, next couple of days as much as I can. Is it the same content, seen. or is it it's different, different stuff, content? Yeah. Whoa. You can catch your favorite movie again, though, because it's only available on the West Coast. Is it the one that starts <laughs> with Y and ends with Aper? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm I'm good. I'm just gonna if I I would rewatch the first five minutes. Is it the and, one that starts with oh and ends with yeah? Yep. I think yeah. that's or just starts with huh. Okay, where's this gonna go? And then nothing happens. Coming soon from Strange and Radio, the dumbest reviews of films you've ever heard. Mm. Well, I gave it a. Mm. <laughs> I gave it a. Oh, I'm uncomfortable in my seat. <laughs> Boy, that could mean a lot of different things. That's true. No, no, no. I felt that watching a Serbian film, too. This is really uncomfortable I being want... in this room. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm sweating so much. Um, well, I cannot wait until next year when, hopefully, knock on wood, it's actually full full scale and I can come yeah. out for all three or four days and yes. really make a whole thing of it. So. I'm glad you were able to make it even for the short amount. Me, me too. It was it was so much fun yeah. to be there got and meet people. A perfect small version of the moon and sixpence and all this. Yeah, you got all the yeah. a lot of the really really cool stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm very very happy that I was able to come down. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there something, Eric? You were going to say? Oh, just about the shorts. So oh, I got there. Yep. 
Uh, well, when I got home, then I was thrilled to find out that uh, available for rent on Amazon was The Night House. Oh my God. Mm. I watched this last night. Well, let's talk about it. Okay. Without too many spoilers, it's kind of tough to talk about it without spoilers. <laughs> I had been really, really looking forward to this. Yeah. And I thought the photography was fantastic. Uh-oh. I thought the acting was really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. And I thought the story was uh, surprisingly um, shallow and everything I thought it was going to be. Oh, everything you thought it was going to be. Well, everything I thought it was going to be based on the first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, the twist is going to be something, something. And then yeah. it was like, oh, that was the twist. <laughs> <laughs> I had a kind of similar experience. Um, I Although... It, I will say with the photography and with the shot design, I was genuinely creeped the hell out. Yeah. There was multiple times where I was like squirming in my seat, which doesn't happen often with films anymore. So that was really enjoyable. But yes, the story, I was like, are you guys going to like explore? Nope. You going to go further into it? Nope. <laughs> well, cool. I guess I'm glad for all the hints of cool stuff that we didn't go <laughs> further into. Amazing. I mean, I, I liked it. Yeah. I didn't love it, but, uh, that, that means I was just a tad disappointed because I've been looking forward to it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard too much about it other than like the basic, basic concept. So mm. I wasn't, I, I went in pretty, pretty vanilla, wasn't super high expectations and it met that. <laughs> so. There you go. Did not exceed, but it met vanilla. Yay. Another stellar <laughs> review from Jan's Radio. No, it is worth it is worth watching, especially if you watch a lot of horror films and you just want to get creeped out. There are some really effective, interesting ideas they throw in there that I have not seen before that I really liked. What was I this agree. called again? The Night House. <laughs> it's got that chick who keeps showing up in horror films in it. Uh, her last horror film was. Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was she in that? I, She's honestly... the main scientist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rebecca <That> was... <laughs> Hall. <laughs> That's right. Come yeah. on, this is your favorite movie of all, all time. I only watched it for the giant Godzilla slash monkey fight. You didn't watch it for Podcasters Saving the World? I sure did not. <laughs> you know, but maybe on the second review, there I'll pay go. any more attention than I already did. Well, um, I got to go into theaters and see a, a special, very special little film that's bouncing around, Venom. Ah, bouncing around. tell. <laughs> um, I've heard stuff about this movie. I, would, I wonder <laughs> what you've heard. Um, so I, okay, the, the full disclosure, the first Venom, hmm. I liked way more than I should have. And everyone hated it. And I was like, this is so fucking fun. It's so stupid and so fun. And I just kind of lost myself to it and really enjoyed it. So this one, I was like, everyone's going to hate it, but I'm going to love it. <laughs> that was not the case. It was, it was like somebody had edited out six very important scenes. And I think that's exactly what happened. <laughs> they went from an R rating to a 13 very quickly. They carved out a lot of stuff that should have been really gr grotesque and crazy. There are scenes where you're like, why are you over there now? And like, why is this girl doing this at all? That makes no sense. It just feels like it's missing a lot of connective tissue. And that makes it um, a difficult experience. It seems over the last few years, 
not Tom Hardy has mm. done a lot better job of picking films than Tom Hardy. I know. I'm like team not Tom Hardy right yeah, now. It's like, what a great actor who's done some great stuff who just like, you know, you can do the, the superhero movies, but go off and do something really interesting too, man. Cause he's so good when he's, he's good. so good. Well, I will say he actually gave it his best, but that script was garbage for him. Sure. They really did not give him an opportunity to do anything other than be the same tone, mid-level, slightly neurotic, well, very neurotic, <laughs> kind of annoying guy for the whole film. I think he played as best he could with it, but there was nothing there for him. Venom was way more interesting than him. Let's back up a little bit. You said that they went from an R rating to PG-13? Yes. So That um, surprises me because the original is PG-13. I know. So they, they were, were going to go, they go were going to go harder because they were like, well, it's fucking Venom. Why not? But, uh, and this is spoiler territory. Oh no. Have you guys, I don't care. Do you, uh, yeah. Have you <laughs> I heard? I still haven't seen the first one. <laughs> have you heard the big news about Venom? The big news? Well, the big news I heard was that it sucked more than it should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, here's, here's the thing that's going to blow your mind. In the credit sequence, you learn that Venom has entered the multiverse and he will be a part of probably the Spider-Man movie. I did hear that there was a possibility yeah. he might show up. Yep. So that is a big like, oh shit, like it's happening. They've got like Tom Hardy or is it? No, sorry. Uh, Tom Holland I'm on Tom the TV <laughs> altogether uh, on the TV screen that he's watching. He ends, uh, his like world slightly breaks and he goes from one place to another. And so I think what happened is Venom, the, the, creators slash people behind Venom got the opportunity to throw it into the Marvel universe. And they were like, well, fuck yes. And they're like, yeah, it's gotta be a PG 13 then. And they took that offer. That is my guess. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. It's too bad so, they couldn't tie it to a better script. If they put out, I'm thrilled for the Blu-ray version where they give an R version of this, because <laughs> I am going to love that movie. I'm sure of it. How, uh, was, how was Woody Harrelson? Um, you know what? Super, super miscast. Oh. Um, but I really enjoyed him. He, like, he killed it. I don't think he was, I think that character probably should have been acted by somebody else. But considering he's, like, too old and, like, they dyed his hair <laughs> stupid, he really went for it. And it was very enjoyable to watch him. Huh. He had a great fucking time. You could tell. He can do that. I've seen him do that in a lot of shitty films where he's just like, he don't care. Yeah, what a bummer, though, to get Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson together in a movie and it'd just be shit. <laughs> it's just, like I said, the connective tissue is missing. You're like, oh, I bet there's a really good reason why they're doing what they're doing right now. I'm sure there's an, a great scene where they fuck each other up or there's just more stuff in there. But that that core storytelling moments are just missing. And I don't know if that was just cut for time or cut because of the braiding or what, but there's some shit that's not there. Well, that is a bummer to hear, but not a surprise. No, a hundred percent. It is a hot fucking mess. <laughs> well, I watched, also watched a Disney production. <gasps> oh, brand new one. Muppets hot in mansion. Oh my God. Oh, is that out now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It came out Friday. How was it? It was fine. Oh, there's, um, there seems to be two schools of Muppet fans. Yeah. That, that love the original show. And then they did that one for a little while that was on TV. It's kind of like The Office. Yeah, that got them in all kinds of trouble because they're, they're doing adult jokes and stuff. It's like, do you ever watch the original? Is is your yeah. introduction to the Muppets, the Muppet Babies or something? 100%. That you think that this is a kid's show? Because it wasn't originally. 
Um, and this very much veers towards that. Oh. Uh, very, very kids oriented. And oh. I mean, it's cute and it's fun. It's only 55 minutes for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it all the main players, Kermit, Miss Piggy, even Fozzie are kind of shoved to the background. They're like at a party that Gonzo and the uh, shrimp guy are trying to get to. Oh. So they appear like in calls and occasionally, but it's kind of like uh, the way Gonzo and him did the Muppet Christmas Carol. It's sort of that way, huh. but the story around it isn't nearly as good. I mean, it's it's fun. It's fine. I'm glad it wasn't an hour and a half, <laughs> unfortunately, but yeah. I, I, and I've seen a lot of people just love it. Um, my, that's my first thought is like, was, was your introduction to Muppets, the Muppet Treasure Island and Muppet Babies? Cause I mean, did it feel, cause <laughs> Christmas Carol is very like kids friendly, but it's a fucking great film. Yeah. So I was wondering whether or not it had any of that kind of tonality to it. No, no. The reason uh, Muppet Christmas Carol works so well is, um, Michael Caine. Michael Caine takes it completely seriously. Yeah. Michael Caine. That's right. He is not working with Muppets. <laughs> he, he embodies that character and plays it so yeah. real yeah. that the Muppets are just the goofiness going around, a very serious story that he's telling. Yeah. So it works really well. But uh, yeah, it was kind of like, oh, well, what a potentially really fun thing to do. That's, that's, it's just fine. And they're just stuck in this haunted mansion or they're trying to get to the haunted mansion? I'm not entirely certain. Oh. There's a, there's a couple there's a couple random songs that one's kind of good, one's kind of okay, but it's sort of like, well, if you're going to do a musical, do a musical, do like five, six numbers. Yeah. And they did two, none of which the Muppets were the key singers. It was um uh-huh. what's her name from Empire and some guy that seemed familiar but I didn't bother to look up who he was. And they were the main singers. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like it's almost like it was made by Muppet people that were kind of unsure of the Muppet. <laughs> it's like, I know he died a long time ago, but Brian Henson did some pretty good shit. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, you know, when they kind of rebooted it with that film uh, with Jason Segel. Oh, yeah. Which oh, was very good. Right. Yeah, that that film was a blast. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they followed it with a sequel that was pretty so-so, yeah. like, immediately afterwards. And it's almost like they didn't get it right off the bat, even what had made that uh, reboot work so well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Good point. So, yeah, mm. I don't know. Uh, I want to talk about something that we haven't talked enough about. And I don't know if I've said anything about it, but chapel weight. I oh. know nothing of this. It's on epics. You don't have epics, I Vanessa? Not Which is why epics. most people. What's your problem? <laughs> Wait, what is epics? <laughs> right. Just another one of those streaming channels yeah. that oh is, you know, making you pay for is, stuff. Does Crackle still exist? What is it? Yeah, yeah. Now, epics, epics popped up near the very end of cable. It's sort of like the Showtime, HBO, and a whole mess of weird little ones. And yeah. epics was one of those. Oh. Yeah, E-P-I-X, because it's can extreme. Only, I, could only, I just, in my mind, that was exactly what it looked like. There was a big old X at the end, large than the whole rest of the word. Um, the thing is, is that Chapel Wait is a, I believe it's a 10-part series starring Adrian Brody. And it is based on a very short Stephen King story called Jerusalem's Lot, which oh. itself is huh. kind of a prequel to Salem's Lot, but it's set a couple hundred years before. Oh, interesting. Well, Adrian Brody playing back in time sounds good. 
I got to tell you, this it's this is a little shaky. Some of the acting is a little shaky. It's uh, some of the sets are a little shaky. Adrian Brody is acting his ass off and you're just in it because he's in it so much. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, I'm really loving it. It's um, it went different than the uh, than the short story, which was very Lovecraftian and had some kind of ghoulish ghoul type things and about um, about five episodes into this, they kind of drop on you. Oh, we didn't tell you this is about vampires. Oh my God. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, these vampires are like classic, scary vampires. Ooh. And they've kind of tied this whole idea of why vampires might be attracted to this little town of Jerusalem's lot. Oh. And I don't know how I feel about that, but I do, I do really enjoy this show. I think the last episode is coming up this week. So I uh, I've just really, really been loving it. I don't think enough people are talking about it because nobody even knows it's on. Mm-hmm. It feels like there are eons, little mini eons, where we go between zombies and vampires and zombies and vampires. And yeah. we're back in the vampire yes. era. Well, isn't that the Agreed. political cycle? When the Democrats are in power, vampires are hot because... Um, Society thinks that they are draining us of all of our lifeblood. <laughs> and when the Republicans are in power, zombies are hot because uh, we think that they're, you know, zombie thought mindless. controlling and all of that stuff. So I think that's what I saw. Isn't that, <laughs> that, am the, I making that up? That might the, make sense. The eight years of Obama would go against that a little bit, unless, you know, you don't think of him as a Democrat. Uh, because zombies have been huge for, I mean... Since 2002, I think. Yeah. When, yeah. When and now we're Zach just Snyder. beating that just, dead horse. It is yeah. like rotting on the ground and we're still like <laughs> picking up that stick. Maybe there's more to beat in it. Every once in a while there is. Every once in a while you get a girl yeah. with all the gifts or train mm-hmm. to Bruce Allen oh, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and look, I don't need Army of the Dead. I don't need any of this shit. But um, if somebody's going to make something interesting, vampires or zombies, mm-hmm. Um, or malignants. I am there. <laughs> good is good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Wait a second. Monster don't, is monster. Don't is put fun. me in a box and make me say that malignant was good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> this this brings me to something I've been thinking about. I'm gonna sidebar, Vanessa. You won't be able to talk about your next film. I'm gonna take all your time. Uh, um, <laughs> I saw this review yeah. for. I read this review for Midnight Mass. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this guy hated it. Okay. And um, he is gay. I believe he was raised very Catholic. Mm -hmm. And he basically wrote this big, long thing about how this movie or this series really upset him because they could have said this about the church and they could have done this. They could have used this to say how bad the church was, but instead it seemed like the church was helping and all these parts and everything. And it really came out after reading this very long article <laughs> was this show sucks because it was not what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And I worry sometimes that I do this. You do. And <laughs> Haunting of Hill House <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> right. But that's based on something. And so it was not what it was supposed to be. Not what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And that's what my experience with Bly Manor was. Because right. I was like, fucking turn of the screw. I already know what's going to happen. And then it didn't. So that was good. Well, it did in the first episode. And then they yeah, had eight more episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or say a movie like The Yellow Wallpaper. Um. 
Yeah. Well, that's, so, that, that goes right to the, that didn't tell the story either. Well, right. But so. I guess my point is, well, the yellow wallpaper falls into another thing that I find myself doing that I want to get away from, mm-hmm. which is trashing uh, low budget films. Right. When, when, you know, when we all know how fucking difficult it is to yeah. even get a film finished, yeah. Yeah. Uh, much less distribution and in front of people and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I want to train myself to, to hit up instead of, uh, yeah. down. Yeah. But, uh, there's still people like Jason Hawkins. Don't you dare edit this out. <laughs> that guy's a prick and he makes shitty movies. And that's oh the shitty movie part doesn't bother me as much as the prick part. You can't be a prick. And make bad movies. Yeah. Um, this is I think this is the thing you want to be careful of. And it sounds like what this guy fell into. Films should not be there for you as a therapy outlet, specifically. Your f- form of therapy is not going to be met. Like this guy was had a horrible time at the Catholic church. He had a really specific experience that he wanted addressed and they didn't address it in the way that would have been most helpful to him. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 Like this wasn't, I mean, like I went to eight years of Catholic school and I had this experience you're talking about with the wicker man, right? Like I first hated the wicker man Mm -hmm. because it didn't do the things or it felt insulting or whatever. And then I realized I was being a fucking moron (laughs) and watching something like midnight mass. This isn't about what I feel about the Catholic church or what I went through. It is a story that takes place in a place with a certain religion, with certain characters Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with me. I, I almost uh, yeah. felt it was a more directed towards people that didn't necessarily have Catholic church upbringing. Right. Because it hit a lot, of, to me, it hit a lot of the weirdness that Catholicism brings and the uh, way it's viewed from the outside looking in. And I thought it nailed that aspect That's of it. That's crazy to me because when I watched all those moments, I was like, oh, I feel it. <laughs> almost like returning home. I might not like that home, but returning to it because it felt like, oh yeah, I remember as an altar server having to do that where you wash the thing or you prep this or you like, you know, I I was like, they, it's great to me that they managed to do both, that they managed to nail the weird shit that you're talking about where you're like, what the fuck are they doing that weirdness for? And why are they all singing slightly out of tune to some weird hymnals that have been there for a hundred (laughs) years and no one ever wrote very well in the first place. And to me, I'm like, oh God, I remember singing those songs. Like I really literally remember those songs. So that's that's impressive. I think that's really good writing. And I'm sorry that guy had that experience, but I think he needs to take himself out. And I don't think that you have to worry on that level. So long as you give yourself a beat to go, am I mad at this because of something in me? Or am I mad at this because of something with it? Right. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I'm really good at, um, Explaining, well, like Malignant is a bad movie that I ended up enjoying. Yeah. And kind of really reveling in some of its badness. Yeah. But for some reason, I can't just say for the opposite type of film, this wasn't made for me. And I'm I'm going to try and uh, get myself into that kind of level. I was like, you know what? You used to be really good at that. I didn't realize you'd gotten so far, felt you got so far away, but you used to be really good at that. Talk about movies going, oh, this is a good movie, but this was not made with me in mind. Well, uh, so. maybe I just needed to hear you say that because I don't like to say it about myself. But <laughs> you used to. I don't know. If you changed your mind, maybe you should still work on it. All right, everybody just fuck off now. <laughs> Vanessa. Um, oh, I do get a turn. I was going to say, Vanessa, I'm sorry. We used up all your time. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
hold on, hold on. Um, uh, so one thing that I do think we should uh, talk about this week, um, what if finished? It did. I have not seen like the last three or four episodes. What is your oh, fucking man. problem? Really? Yeah. They're so yeah. short. <laughs> Whenever it's something along these lines that I also watch with Dina, you know that can uh, get delayed a lot. I, I would imagine I'll probably be done watching it by like Tuesday this week. Okay. You know what, Kelly? What? <laughs> what if was it just wasn't made for me in mind? Really? Oh, okay. You didn't That's, like the way it ended? Uh, no, I loved the last. Uh, the don't worry about you know. No, I'm trying to think of how to like coherently say this. Actually, I really liked how it tied up in the last episode, but I hated the entire ride. Wow. Yeah, I just I didn't like the art. I thought the voices were only half the times good. The Thor episode wanted me to pull out my own hair because I was like, it's fucking Looney Tunes meets Thor, which is not a fun experience for me. Um, why is Loki here as a douchebag when I just spent like 10 episodes learning why I should love Loki? And now I'm like, well, this fucking moron's here. So there's just a lot of like, <laughs> I didn't enjoy a lot of it. There was a few moments here and there that I thought were good. I like the overall concept. I love that there's a watcher. I like that this is all spinning itself into something and that it all got connected at the end. It doesn't matter what Loki like, acts like in What If. I know. Because it has nothing to do with that TV That's series what I mean. you watched with, with him. So That's what I mean. all complete crap that may, you know, I know they're using it to spin into something inevitably, but... The series itself was just speculative fiction. Well, that's the thing. I think this is an amazing experience for people who grew up reading the Marvel mm, comics. I can see that. Yeah. And who had like eight different versions of what was going on with <laughs> Thor all at the same time. You know, True. like I, I'm still wrapping my head around that. I'm reading more and more of superhero comics and it's always a little bit of a, okay, is this the version where Batman's son is a thing or is it not yet? Is he dead? Is he not yet? Like there's a lot of that. And I think sure. when you were raised or not raised on that, but when you have already immersed yourself in that, something like what if is a joy because you get to see what other random shit happens. And for me, I'm like, I've already spent time emotionally connecting to characters in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I don't want to fucking see this. I don't care. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I'll, I'll say one thing that surprises me about this, and that is you saying that you didn't like the art. Because I think the animation is just fucking gorgeous in it. Yeah. It is yeah. really gorgeous. I just personally didn't enjoy it. Like, no, seriously, it is good. It's what, extremely good. What would you rather it look like? More cartoony? Yeah. Like, like, like more hand... Ninja Turtles types? Or? Um, yeah, like more closer to the, I think, the Disney, like, cartoon shows that they have, where it's just, like, a little more hand-drawn or it feels, yeah, I don't know, this, like, this even invincible. almost like paintings. It looks like Disney to me. Yeah. Yeah. It looks God, exactly fucking, like Disney. I mean, it is the, it is the top thing about it. I think that yeah. some of the episodes have been better than others, but I think the art brings me to it every time. It's definitely great art. I just don't, I'm just not sold on it. I don't wow. know. I don't know why. I wish I could tell you. I, I kind of get that in that the, I get a lot of that from some of the anime stuff, mm -hmm. especially when anime have giant battles where right. they're running and it's like this weird line thing and they go faster and faster and there's more lines because they're going faster. Like, what, right. the, what is this crap? And I, totally, I know that's what totally. a lot of people love about it. Yeah, because that's but. something I love about that. But with this, I'm like, I, I don't know, maybe growing up watching Disney films, mm -hmm. like, I'm just like, oh, somebody going to 
break out in song. Like, <laughs> is, is the prince going to come and take you away, Black Widow? He's going to show up with his horse. Where's the Where's the little birdies on on? Oh, here's the only and the only other complaint that I want to address with my words, um, <laughs> as opposed to um, it, my dance will do the rest of my fatigue. <laughs> Oh my God, I can't do it. Uh, Captain, Captain Marvel, um, they are trying so hard to make us give a shit about her. They're mm-hmm. trying so hard. Like every other episode is like, look how cool Captain Marvel is. Look, she's great. I'm like, if you didn't sell it in the film, you're not going to be able to sell it with her like cameo appearances. Yeah, but I mean, as a woman, and I'm speaking about me, not you. <laughs> Um, don't you feel good that they've given somebody with Superman level powers to young girls? I liked the movie. I don't like her appearing at random as like the babysitter. Like it's almost like nails on chalkboard to me at this point. I'm like, oh, so the woman has to come in to bitch out the fun guys. Well, I didn't feel like that, but the problem with Captain Marvel is she is so overpowered that if she was just on earth, she could just take care of earth. There would never be a problem. She's so powerful. She's so fast. So they have to send her out into deep space where... All the time. Where if (laughs) she can only come if if her beeper gets... (laughs) Totally. Totally. Nick Fury sends it. Yes. Yeah. No, I I don't mind the concept of her. I just don't like how she's used in What If. Man, women are so mean to other women. I know, right? It's the worst. We are bad. We are bad people. (laughs) I will be the first to admit it. I, I wish I was a better woman, but here we are. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, then, I guess I'll go with mine next quickly. Uh, I, I also went to theater experience. The what? first th- sold out theater I've been in yet, although it's still the, the nice Cinemark big chair. So we're basically hey. stay away. <laughs> but uh, uh, no time to die. Oh, my God. How was it? I needed about half an hour shaved off of it. But other than that, it was pretty good. Oh. This uh, is the new James Bond yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Ah. And, uh, you know, speaking of the, the women, the women kick ass in this movie. Uh. There are, unfortunately, one of them is fantastic, but she's only in like a, a segment. And then as I kept expecting her to show up again, oh. but she didn't. And, is that the uh, other Bond? No, she's in a fair amount. Okay. And she's pretty good. Hmm. The uh, 007. You mean? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good Bond movie. It's going to piss off a lot of Bond fans, but it's a good Bond movie. That is always the case, but you know, yeah, especially these days. Yeah, it's always going to piss off the Bond fans. It's fine. They'll it's come anyway. Sean Connery, so it sucks. And why are you still watching? Go away. Yeah. Go. Shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> Tell me this: Does the title refer to someone who's about to die and somebody else going, "This is no time to die," or is it? Wait a second. Way too busy right now. Got no time to die. I feel like those titles mean nothing ever. Like they're always yeah, nonsensical pretty bullshit. Just, it's, it's, a, it's a James Bond title that, yeah, there's no, nobody moon, says there's no, moon no time to die. I don't believe so. What the Pretty fuck? sure it would have stood out <laughs> if they had, but might have well just called it plenty of time to die. <laughs> <laughs> or just time to die. That's right. Yeah. But, Quantum uh, of Solace. I remember hmm. loving that movie and then finally going, the fuck does quantum of souls I know mean? nothing then, yeah. no, nothing it means a measure of solace <laughs> well that's very helpful to that film i'm sure uh, you know a measure of a, a piece or or something like that and i was like eh, okay 
I mean, that's the, like, it just sounds interesting and it's not the same title as one of the other James Bond movies. Right. That's all go. they care yeah. about. Yep. Diamonds are forever. Is it really that important? You know? All right. Moonraker. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. There's a moon. Live and Let Die is probably my favorite <laughs> Bond title because it just sort of, yes, exactly. Live and Let Die, you mother. <laughs> I always liked, uh, I remember when uh, Connery came back for the not licensed oh. Bond one, Never Say Never Again. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that went head to head with one of Roger Moore's. Yeah. I, I know nothing of this. It, it sounds octopus. amazing. Oh, I think, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. All right, guys, um, we've gone way off the rails here. So I'm going to bring us back by saying, let's take a break. Sounds Everybody good. take a deep breath. Get your chakras <gasps> in order. Oh, my God, Eric. <laughs> and then when we come back, we're going to be talking horror comedy. If you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. That's what you do. I'm being quiet. Breathing on me. If you want to save 15% or more on car insurance, you switch to Geico. It's what you do. We have returned. Eric, this was your subgenre pick. Yes, it was. Because, you know, it's... Comedy year, comedy Halloween. I don't know. <laughs> you know, Halloween, just, comedy Halloween. And let you try to do that again. I don't. It's not going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> we believe in you. You can do it. Basically, I picked this one because, you know, it sounded good. We haven't talked about it in a long time. You know did what? Do comedy along. It may have been pre Vanessa that we did the. Might have been if it wasn't. It was very, very early into mm -hmm. my time because I was. I was going to say this was actually really fun for me because oh, I hate comedy movies. Mm -hmm. So finding one that I didn't hate was exceptionally great. I'm still curious to dive into the psychology of that. I hate comedy. <laughs> I do. No one's. I say funny, funny shit, but I'm. <laughs> <laughs> no one's <laughs> funny. Comedy. Everyone's irritating. The jokes are bad. <laughs> Okay, well, on that note, I'll just dive right into yeah, my... Yeah, what's your pick? Horror. <laughs> comedy. Comedy loose, more like oh. bad, biting satire, satire than a comedy, but uh, 2021's The Columnist. Femke Kaboot schreef van de week in de Volkskrant dat het nu wel eens klaar mag zijn met de online haatberichten en doodsbedreigingen aan haar adres. Twitter, hè, Facebook, al die comments. Het is allemaal zo ontzettend naar. Waarom kunnen wij niet gewoon vriendelijk van binnen verschillen? Je had het boek kunnen noemen. Ja, maar we weten nog niet eens wat een boek is. Omdat jij nog niks hebt ingeleverd. Er moet wel een beetje reuring om jouw boek gaan ontstaan, ja? Reuring? Ja, reuring, ja. Volgende week, eerste deel met mailbox, oké? Okay? Niet de comments lezen. Nee. Bij deze mevrouw kutvurst op een strandpaal spitsen. Leuke uitdrukking. Kutvurst. Dankjewel. Ja? Daar heb ik best even over nagedacht. Reuring. Heb je wel op Twitter gezeten? Niet doen. 
Ik moet gewoon even mijn hoofd leegmaken. Ik heb ook wel een uitlaatklep, hoor. Wat dan? Aardig zijn. Waarom kunnen we niet gewoon vriendelijk van mening verschillen? Wat het ook is. Ik kan het me vertellen. Rotten Tomatoes ratings are interesting. <laughs> uh, the the reviewers give it 80. Mm-hmm. Crowd gives it 56. Whoa. Whoa. And I think I know exactly why. Oh, man. Um, it's new enough that I really couldn't find much on budget. Because, yeah. you know, I think they're still... Shutter has it, but it doesn't seem like that's a permanent place for them. No box office, but it was largely... a. Fe- I'm pretty sure it's festival and Shutter and a couple others says, Hey, we'll stream it. That's where it went. Directed by Ivo Van Art. Uh, lots of TV directing. He's uh, they're based out of the Netherlands, and so lots of television and shorts. Written by Dan Winderhorst. Same. They what basically a, worked on a lot of the same things. What a name, Winderhorst. <laughs> Windhorst. Actually, it's probably Windhorst. <laughs> Stars. You might recognize this name if I say it right. Uh, Katja Herbers. No. The lead no. actress from Evil. Oh, yeah. Which is actually why I wanted to watch this. Okay. Oh, cool. <laughs> so she was in Evil and Westworld and lots of TV in the Netherlands. So apparently English is her second language, which I never caught. I had no idea. I assumed that, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah. From her speaking? Yeah, totally. Yeah, the way she talks. I was, and I think I, I thought she was Spanish, actually. No. no. Wow. Huh. <laughs> uh, let's see. Who else is in this? Gino de Groot. Lots of Netherland TV. <laughs> Artcraft Kutut. Yeah, same as the others. <laughs> so basically, it seems like a group that got together that worked together a lot on a bunch of TV shows and said, hey, let's make a movie. Starts with, uh, her name is Femke. It's on a new show, sort of your typical talking heads yelling at each other about crap, things like, uh, turns out she's a journalist who wrote an article about... Um, Black Pete. And uh, I believe that's his name. Black Pete. I'm not familiar. He's the uh, Nordic tradition of... um, Ah, yeah. (laughs) Do you know it better than I do off the top of my head? I'll let you explain. There's the the Nordic... um, Who's the guy? The Krampus? Krampus, yeah. Has an assistant. I had no idea. He's like his elf or something. I don't know. But uh, his name Black Pete. And well... If you're familiar with the Netherlands, you're familiar with the fact that they're like, I don't know, 90% white. They're very white. I see. So there's a lot of what amounts to blackface being done every Christmas celebrating Black Pete. So Black Pete, his his first name refers to his skin color, not not his soul color. Well, probably a little of A and a little of B. So she wrote a... Her basic column is just fluff, fun, entertaining... Light stuff, household, what I had for breakfast kind of stuff. And then she wrote this one article and got destroyed. Is you know, I mean, I know this never happens to women on 
Twitter or Facebook, but it happened to her. <laughs> oh my God, you wonder why I'm not on Twitter very often. <laughs> so she's battling with this guy who's just a horror, who's a, he's not a, I don't think he's a news guy, but he's a horror writer. He writes horror novels. As she's leaving, she decides to check out her Twitter feed. And of course it's brutal and ends it with her saying, well, I guess I'm done with Twitter. And of course, you know, two or three scenes later, she's back <laughs> scrolling <laughs> through Twitter, trying to see what's going on. Uh, the opening credits are actually really cool. It's a, I keep getting these movies with cool opening credits <laughs> as opposed to movies, you know, that don't do them anymore. And it's just, just this model train. It starts off kind of thinking it's real, but it becomes a model train as it's driving through, which actually does come back later on in the movie. And now she's also, currently she meets with her boss who wants her to, she's supposed to be writing a book and the book isn't going well. It's got a hard deadline. She's like, don't give me writer's block. I don't believe in writer's block. Okay, I won't say it, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) The, The threats continue to get nastier and harder. It's very reminiscent of, um, uh, what was that comic book one? Uh, game, Gamergate or the... Oh, Zoe Quinn? No. Yeah, I think that's her name. <laughs> kind of reminiscent of that kind of stuff. Like, you know, okay. I'll rape you and kill you and all that. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, shit. there was like a slew of ladies who got that. But yeah. yeah, I think it started with Zoe. And going to the police, of course, is as effective as you would imagine it would be mm. in a movie like this. So completely ineffectual. And as she's trying to write, one of the big problems that's running into her writing is her neighbor is remodeling his house and building new fences in the back and all this stuff. So it's all day long. And if she finds out that he's actually one of the people on Twitter that's been writing shit about her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she looks outside, sees he's on top of her house and she wanders outside and pushes him off the road. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, she's on top of her own house, not on. Well, top she was of. looking out a window and noticed that he's on. They're they're in like a duplex. Okay, it's a connected ah. house. Okay, when she ah. looks out and sees he's there, she just climbs out her window and. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So he's not a problem anymore. Very cathartic. <laughs> um, and she continues the, the 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 romantic entanglement. Actually, turns out to be the guy she was battling with on. TV. They meet up at a separate event, find out that he is full of shit. He's purely playing a character. And he's actually the nicest guy in the entire movie. Uh (laughs) The nicest person, actually, in the entire movie. Wow. (laughs) And uh, so he's the moral compass. Wow. She has no ability to recognize. (laughs) So this continues, of course. So uh, a side story is her daughter's battling with her um, principal. She wrote a headline in the paper that had fuck in it. And so mm. the principal's like, well, you really shouldn't say that. She's like, free speech, let me say whatever the fuck I want to. So there's a battle going on with that. And she's kind of a neat character. She has a nice little go around where by the end it wraps around where her mom was supposed to show up to give a speech supporting her. But she ends up saying the speech herself. And it, it's a nice little character um, arc for her. That's really good. Kelly's done with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Can't handle it. He's like, I'm fucking over it. So she turns into a, she actually turns into a flat out serial killer. Why? Because not only does she kill the people, she cuts off and keeps their middle finger. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. What is she? Does she just store them in a box? Yeah, does exactly. She, oh my God. Yeah. Wow. That's exactly what she does. Huh. She now has a kill bag with all of her tools, kind of like, you know, uh, 
Dexter used to have where she carries around her tools and um, her daughter finds this and immediately thinks, you know, she's living with a horror author. What's this guy really up to? And from that point, things really start to unravel and you, you get to see how it ends if you want to watch this movie. The kills are good. Um, one of the dumb reviews I read about this, because the, the reason for the 56 from audience has nothing to do with the quality of movie and everything to do with whiny little bitch boys not being able to handle <laughs> what's going really? on. This movie sucks because it's not what I wanted it to be. <laughs> <laughs> on, well, on theme. Well, like a review where one guy was talking about no, no little woman could do that. The guy would just absolutely control her and beat her up. It's like, what What, what kill are you talking about? Because I didn't see a single kill in there. Where I thought, how did she overpower that guy? They all make perfect sense and they would all work. <laughs> wow. That's so, so frustrating because you watch like a dude come in and just like ax a girl all the way through the, her middle. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm sure that guy had such good guns. You could just <laughs> whack that axe all the way through it. Skulls are, you know, just they're crumbly. He prepped by tearing apart. Whack that axe, I think, makes a fantastic title for this episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh. Uh, she is great. You know, as we know, she's a great actress. She's really good in this. She carries the film. Yeah, she's not a nice character. She does not. Her arc does not end with a feeling of, oh, she's good. I mean, it ends with a sort of a triumph for her, which is kind of cool. Mm. Uh, some neat, neat visuals in the way she she ends. It's not, I don't think it's spoiling anything to say this, but they do. She kind of, I don't really know if she gets caught or not, but there's a really neat thing at the end. Her book finally comes out and it's a white cover covered with like blood splatter. Mm. And she goes to the book reading right after killing somebody or the book release party, right? So she's wearing a white suit and it's blood splattered. Oh my God. So it completely looks like, I'm just here for the, the book thing. That's so good. I didn't just kill someone. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, when I first watched the trailer, I went through and it was on YouTube. So reading the YouTube comments and that just, <laughs> it's like, okay, little boy, you go back home to your mommy. <laughs> it's going to be all right. Just show, turn off the naughty TV show. <laughs> show me more the bad lady hurt you. <laughs> good Lord. I did learn something interesting watching the movie. The word for shit in Dutch sounds a lot like cock. Oh, caca. <laughs> so oh. I was like, why is she saying Oh, I see now. Uh, it screened during the Fantasia Festival in 2020, where it had a North American premiere at Fright Fest. The international, the international title, The Calmness, doesn't really reflect the original Dutch word. It's supposed to be a derogatory comment used a lot in the Dutch language, which kutor, uh, maybe, that's how it says, translates literally to <clears throat> contour. <laughs> so oh they, didn't want to go with, they didn't want to go with that as the title for the international film. Fair. Good decision, guys. Good decision. <laughs> but uh, apparently it was quite offensive in Dutch <laughs> and did cause a little bit of dust up because of that. Mm. She was brought on board to do it because um, he hadn't worked with her much. All the other people had worked with each other, but he saw her in Westworld and got, ooh, I want to hire her. Mm -hmm. Which is probably what happened to Evil, too. <laughs> She's very good. Rotten Tomatoes has the 68 reviews with an average rating of 7 to 10. 
Savagely funny and viscerally unsettling, the com- columnist takes the unbridled vitriol of social media to its bloodied, over-the-top conclusion. What did you watch this on? The Shutter? Shutter, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There, there was one interesting review that I think that encapsulated pretty well the idea that, uh, as opposed to just miss, just missing it. Um, before I watched the movie, I saw several reviews calling this movie leftist, leftist propaganda and a woke culture film, which made me not interested in watching it. I'm tired of the woke, woke BS too. It's everywhere, but this film is not it. Femke may be leftist, but the film is not about left versus right ideology. It's about the loss of humanity through social media and how damaging it can be to your mental health if you let other people say get to you. She's not the hero of the story. She is a victim and a villain. And we're both done truly well. And I think that nails it. It is not. You could easily just dismiss this and say, well, I don't like it because it's woke. It's really not. Um, It's really far more about the way we let things people we've never met or had any interaction with, but they say it online and sometimes those things soak in or somebody maybe you met once Mm -hmm. says something, you let it soak in. She let it soak in (laughs) and it took over. (laughs) But uh, so it's, it's an interesting film. It was not the funniest movie, but it had a lot of humor in it. (laughs) So, Two things. Yes. I I am convinced that the social media sites will be the downfall of Western civilization. Sure. And Cuntor sounds like <laughs> a villain from the Masters of the Universe. I maybe, was totally going to say that. Maybe the bitchy sidekick to Skeletor or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be yeah. an interesting action figure. <laughs> That'd be designed this. <laughs> it's got to be one word, though. Can't be two. Condor. Right. (laughs) Oh, you are. Sorry, mom. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Okay. Well, I've been wanting to check that out and now I feel like even more excited to watch it. It's, it's a fun watch, especially if you like her. She is. Yeah. I hope to watch. (laughs) I'm trying to place her in Westworld though. It's same. She was um, the man in black's daughter. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So she was in. A fair amount of was it season two? Oh, that's or the end of season why one. I, I can't remember. Yeah, now. yeah. Oh, that's right. Probably the end of season one because it was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I man, I cannot visualize her, but I'm going to do some googling after this. <laughs> um. Well, I'll go ahead and jump on in then. Yep. Um. So, like I said, it's it was hard for me because things are not very funny. I'm sorry. They're just not. They're just not. I don't like slapstick. I don't like. There, when things are funny to me, they're like my favorite things on earth. So what we do in the shadows, fucking love that movie too much, <laughs> way too much. Because like, there's a certain sense of odd humor that I really, really enjoy, and I think sometimes foreign humor gets this right. So um, I actually went with, and am thrilled that I went with um, the 2014 movie Housebound. Your client has been through a number of these treatment programs in the past, and the results have been less than spectacular. Miss Bracknell is in need of stability. I'm therefore ordering an urgent report into the suitability of her mother's house for a sentence of eight months home detention. Gosh, that's high tech, isn't it? Aren't you lucky, Kylie, having all that fancy technology on your foot? Nice to be back home. Some things have happened since I've been here. 
things I can't explain. proceed with the story that Mr. McRandall was attacked by a vengeful ghost. Yes. Righto. Uh, and that's got a 95% from critics and 73% from audience. Yeah. Um, it's a New Zealand film. Uh, I could not find any budget or box office information. I think because it was a bit of a festival film and um, was financed through the state that it just didn't, the numbers don't seem to be a apparent or like anyone cares. Um, it's written and directed by a relative newcomer, um, Gerard, uh, Gerard, Gerard Johnstone. Um, he's done uh, kind of four slash five credits previously writing and directing. Um, the only thing that stood out was um, he's a part of the Justice League dark screenplay that's um, currently being written. The other writer that helped him out was a guy named Terry Neo, um, who He's done the new legends of Monkey and Jackie Brown Diaries. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Legends of Monkey. <laughs> I know. And I was like, wait, Jackie Brown, same one? No, it's spelled differently. I'm just happy Monkey's finally getting his show back again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I, I don't know what kind of shows they have in New Zealand, but um, anyway, <laughs> um, it's starring, starring Morgana O'Reilly as Kylie. Um, she's this kind of uh, pissed off young girl who is uh, serving a sentence. That's very interesting. Um, she's been in 27 things. The biggest thing was uh, 187 episodes of Neighbors. Of course. <laughs> I love Neighbors so much. We're neighbors become good friends. Anyway, um, she was also in Jackie Brown Diaries. Uh, she is currently um, starring in a TV show called Mean Mums. Then we've got Rima Te Waiata as Miriam Bucknell, which is uh, the character that plays the mom. She's been in 37 things. And um, most notably to me was um, Taiko Waititi's Hunter, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. So she's in that. She also did 40 episodes of something called Full Frontal and 204 episodes of Sons and Daughters, which I can only assume is more soap opera. So Glenn Paul Waru plays Amos, who's this sort of techie guy. I put down the ankle monitor dude. So <laughs> more on him shortly. Uh, he's been in nine things, um, mostly just bit parts on TV and film. He did 10 episodes of something called Barefoot Bandits. He is awesome. He, I, I would not be surprised if he ends up showing up in a lot of stuff in the future. So very, very funny guy. And then last but not least, Cameron Rhodes as Dennis. Uh, the court-ordered uh, court psychologist. He has the most number of credits. He's been in 62 things, including Deathgasm. He was in Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, Power Rangers, um, and the voice of Carnosaur in 
Jungle Fury and um, The Dark Knight, not that one, 10 episodes. So the story, we start off with this kind of botched robbery. There's um, a girl and a guy who are trying to break their way into an ATM machine in the middle of the night. Uh, They've got a big suitcase and a giant sledgehammer and um, go up to the ATM and just start bashing it. And this is obviously like a plan that they have figured out. They've got all the stuff they need. But um, the problem is the guy is bashing it and nothing is happening to this stupid machine. And she's like, hit it harder. So he hits it really hard. And the um, the metal part of the sledgehammer comes off and hits him in the head and knocks him out. <laughs> and so she's like, uh. <laughs> so she starts hitting and cutting in. She immediately gets in, pulls out the money tray, puts it into um, the bag, drags off the bag, comes back, drags off his body, shoves him into the escape vehicle, starts the escape vehicle, and on their way out, it something happens. I'm not entirely sure what. I, I don't know whether the battery dies or what, but it just stalls in the middle of the road and she can't go anywhere. So um, she is caught. So her lawyer uh, immediately goes to trial. The lawyer tries to get her just into some social program where she can be in like a, a house somewhere where, you know, she can do drug rehab and whatever. And the judge is like, um, looks like she's done like 10 of those. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and just tell her to stay with her mom for eight months <laughs> with an ankle monitor. She cannot go anywhere. And he's like, uh, so it's one of those like unconventional, but maybe effective ways of getting her to learn her lesson. So this of course, um, sucks. The, uh, Kylie is not on good terms with her mom or her stepdad. She is really, really pissed that she's going to be locked up in this big house. It's very weird. It's sort of like mazy, giant, old, old home, um, that, that looks I don't know. It's both small and big at the same time. Uh, her and her mom are not getting along. There's probably some kind of bad blood about like her growing up. And she's obviously been rebelling this whole time. Like everything she does is sort of a a little knife stab at whoever it is she's talking to. So she's just a barbed character. The, they put on the, uh, the ankle monitor. This guy named Amos is in charge of the monitoring setup. And basically, if she leaves past, like not even as far as the end of the driveway, he will be called in to uh, show up. On the first night that she's at her mom's home, she turns on the radio and overhears her mother on a call-in show. And her mother is talking about this really terrifying ghost that she saw in the basement, (laughs) uh, which of course no one has mentioned to Kylie. Um, she, she's very adamant that it's real on the radio. And when Kylie confronts her, she's sort of like, well, um, uh, well, I don't, yeah. And, um, they get into a giant fight and then the mother says, Hey, when you were a kid, you totally, um, remembered seeing all sorts of weird shit in this house. So don't, don't say that you're above me. So Kylie decides to go to the basement to disprove her mother's sighting. And of course, a ghost hand grabs her ankle from underneath the stove. Uh, she starts cr- screaming. Her mother comes down to see what's going on. Um, they kind of get into this back and forth of like, are you sure it wasn't this? Well, I don't know. No, it wasn't that. It's a real ghost. No, are you sure it's not that? And then Amos arrives because her ankle monitor apparently <laughs> does not reach the basement. So he's like, oh, good. You're still here. Um, and what's the problem? And they're like, there's a fucking ghost. And he's like, oh, 
there's a ghost. And he just switches <laughs> modes and becomes like a ghost hunter. It's like his side job is trying to catch ghosts. So he's like, yes, and instantly inserts himself into the plot. It's extremely <laughs> exciting. He's like, we're going to set up cameras. We're going to we're gonna go around with like the audio thing and the heat monitor. He gets really, really uh, stoked about it. Kylie, of course, is just like, what the hell is going on in here? <laughs> she starts to try and figure out uh, she, she starts to find all these weird little clues here and there um, that are amounting to, it's not clear really what's going on. There's, there's like a teddy bear that attacks her. That's kind of like a teddy ruckskin. Uh, ruckspin. Ruckspin. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Of course, Kelly knows. Um, she finds like... <laughs> Got one right here. She, the ghost sends her like a little like um, destroyed, semi-destroyed, like orthodontic. Um, a retainer. And so she's trying to figure this out and she she starts to suspect the next door neighbor. Meanwhile, um, a lot of people around her are not believing her, including her court-ordered psychologist, Dennis. He's basically saying it's delusions that have manifested from her over, uh, overactive imagination being trapped in this house. So things go crazy from there. Uh, there's There's a lot of fun, confusing, strange, funny moments. Um, I feel like you are constantly shifting um, the plot and the ground and what's happening uh, and your understanding of what's happening is shifting, which is great because it's a reflection of the sort of stubborn, um, angry protagonist who is deeply flawed, but also super relatable and kind of how she's seeing things. And she's kind of constantly catching up to the plot of what's really happening here. And uh, she's often wrong. So that's kind of fun. Um, I would just say that the film is really, really super satisfying. Um, it's it's really weird, but it's very, very entertaining. It's kind of um, it kind of becomes a mother daughter film by the end. It's sort of about their relationship more than anything else, and about how they haven't been telling each other the truth about certain things, and they're very resentful of of things from the past. Some great moments that I would I would love to point out. There's uh, there's oh god there's just so many fun scares and there's really good gnarly wounds including a cheese grater to a face oh i won't say whose face but they just go for it like they are not holding back so um there's oh god there's some gruesome stuff in here uh the teddy bear is super fun because you're like it just keeps coming at her and you're like she burns it and then all of a sudden this like charred bear like shows up like flung at her and you're like, what is happening right now? <laughs> I I wish I could describe more of what goes on in this film, but I think I would be spoiling it pretty badly. So I'm just going to kind of leave it at there. There's not a ton of um, trivia for this. Uh, it was funded by the New Zealand Film Commissioner's uh, Escalator Scheme. John Stone was first inspired. I believe that's the, uh, yeah, the director slash writer was first inspired to create a horror film after watching Ghost Hunters on television and received additional inspiration from the classic films uh, The Changeling and Legend of Hell House. While writing the script, John Stone uh, wanted the character of Kylie to be someone that wouldn't scare easily. That way, when she does finally fall victim to fear, it's much more pal palpable. And I think that that is really clear. Every time something terrifying happens, she's like, I'm not fucking scared. <laughs> and, and at one point, her stepdad says, um, what are you going to do? Punch it in the face? And she's like, fuck yeah, I'm going to punch it in his fucking face. <laughs> You're like, whoa, girl, okay. And and man, does she. 
he experienced some difficulty, uh, the director, achieving the film's exterior shots of the house as budgetary issues limited their options of homes and uh, and renovations to the exterior of their chosen house during uh, the course of the filming. And that just just constantly was kind of raising issues. I think they did a great job. It's really hard to tell. The Hello Moto song plays frequently from the old Motorola ringtone um, <laughs> and is kind of its own character in this film. Uh, mostly festival film, played it um, Dead by Dawn, Nach, uh, the Nachtel, International Fantastic Film Fest, Strasbourg, Euro Fantastic Film Fest, Toronto After Dark, Fangoria, Chainsaw Awards, and in February of 2015, New Line Cinema announced the production of a U.S. remake with the uh, original writer-director. And it says it is in production. Well, it says they're going to go in production, but that was 2015 and it is 2021. So I'm guessing that died somewhere. Yeah, so. I don't think that ever happened. Um, so that was my pick. I like this movie. Yeah. I think you liked it more than I liked it. Mm. I thought it was uh, cute. Yeah. But you got a lot of... A lot more humor out of it. Yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot. I think it it was just the unexpected nature of it was very fun for me. Um, I'm glad you saw it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, good. You both saw it. Yep. Yeah. Even better. Okay. Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it is the weird thing when you start talking uh, horror comedy. Yeah. What you generally get is a comedy that has supernatural things in it. Yeah. Very little horror actually yeah. going on, even if it's something like Army of Darkness, which has some gore in it, that's really slapstick yeah. mm-hmm. with some gore. In it. Yeah. I think it's a lot tougher to get a horror film that has some comedy in it. But I did. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I chose from 1992, Innocent Blood. That old black magic has me in its spell. I could tell you're excited. That old black magic that you weave so well. Those icy fingers up and down my spine. Ah! Hey, what are you, some kind of a freak? Now, this guy's lost a lot of blood. You know, he had his head blown off. No, this guy's really lost a lot of blood. Marie had a hunger to feed on the evil. You want a ride? You got one. Michelli's a gangster. Call me Sal. Who's out to take over the city. I call you. Marie. Wait, Marie. What he didn't count on was a vampire. Come on, baby. Relax. With a taste for Italian. Now, the undead. And the undercover. You are under arrest are teaming up. Michelle's not dead, is he? Gotta get hold of yourself to take the bite out of crime. You're gonna be made men. But when you're made by me, nobody can touch you. Welcome to the family. From John Landis, the director of An American Werewolf in London. He lost a lot of blood. Are you sure you don't need more? Don't worry. You're not my type. Innocent Blood. A movie that goes straight for the jugular. Under my skin. This has a budget of $20 million. Box office of $5 million. Oh, no. Yeah. Ouch. 
Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it 38%. The audience gives it 44%. Ooh. Uh, Promising. This is not a great movie, but (laughs) if if I were to come up with a subgenre of movies that piss you off because they could have been great, Mm. this would be at the top of my list. This was directed by John Landis, Ah. uh, who directed Animal House, The Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, Trading Places, Coming to America, Thriller, and the infamous segment of the Twilight Zone movie in which Vic Morrow and two child extras were killed. Is this after that then? So he's in director jail when he made this. Yes. Okay. Written by Michael Wolk, who has one film credit, and it is this film. (laughs) Uh, Is this a um, fake name for John Landis? I don't think so. Huh. No, I know because originally John Landis was set to direct, uh, I believe it was called Red Skies by Mick Garris and Mm -hmm. um, Golden... And then the studio was like, um, that movie is going to cost too much. Mm-hmm. And we have another vampire movie, if that's what you want to do. And it's this one. And he was like, oh, I do like this one, too. It's, it's good. Mm. So it stars Anne Periad, who uh, most famous for being Nikita in the film Nikita, and is still working today in French cinema and television. Anthony LaPaglia who has 115 credits, like So I Married an Axe Murderer, Empire Records, and just recently A Good Marriage, which is a so-so Stephen King adaptation. I'd say that's accurate. It has Robert Loggia in it. Robert Loggia. 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 Last name L, as in Loggia. <laughs> o, as in, oh my God, is that Robert Loggia? <laughs> you guys ever see that family guy that he was yes. in? No. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I've seen that segment. It's oh. pretty funny. Uh, he's got 233 credits. You would know him from Psycho 2, Scarface. Eric, you would know him from being the dad in Over the Top. Oh. The dad of the, uh, <laughs> the dead mother. Yeah. Uh, he was in Big. He plays the piano, dances on the piano oh, with yeah. Tom Hanks. Yep. And Lost Highway. And it stars a uh, legendary comedian, Don Rickles. Oh, jeez. And then a trio of Italian actors that you know from every mobster movie. <laughs> uh, Chaz Palmentieri, David Praval, and Tony Sirico. Sure. They were um, members of the Sopranos family and all of that stuff. It's. I mean, yeah, come on. Chaz Palmentieri was in the... Uh... Last Dragon. Oh, yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. Okay. Uh, I know you've seen this, Eric. Vanessa, have you seen this? I don't right. believe so. This story opens with Marie, who is a gorgeous and very naked vampire in her hotel in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and not not wow. just naked, very naked. <laughs> she has full frontal, just wandering around, and she uh, is doing a voiceover narration. The fact that she's doing it in a hotel in Pittsburgh is the part that really upsets me. And you know, I guess maybe hotel is not the right word, except that it looks like an old style hotel. It would probably be her, uh, her apartment. Okay. Um, she is saying how horny she is, how sure. hungry she is and how difficult it is for her to get food these days. And then she sees a newspaper article about mob killings around the city and decides that Italian sounds good for dinner. Ah. <laughs> and that uh, this would be a great way to cover up her hunting tactics. Mm. <laughs> uh, we also then meet Joe Gennaro, who is Anthony LaPaglia. He appears to be a mobster working for Sally the Shark, but is in reality an undercover cop. And uh, that night he bumps into Marie. She bumps into him, actually, because she's like looking for food. 
and uh, she can sense that he is a good person. Mm. And she's like, oh, shit, I can't, I can't kill this guy. There's something about him. He appears mm. to be a mobster, but I can tell that he's not. Uh, very quickly, um, she hooks up with one of the other mobsters, though, who's an asshole to her. And she's like, this guy's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she takes him to a secluded spot. Pretty great. They're driving in his uh, probably late 80s Cadillac. And she opens up his uh, CD case. Looked very similar to my CD case in the 80s and 90s. It was about 40... Frank Sinatra CDs. <laughs> <laughs> the, the music in this is fantastic. There's a lot of Sinatra and big band stuff. Just part of the reason I love it. <laughs> so she takes them to this secluded spot under this bridge where he thinks they're going to have sex. And boy, is he wrong. <laughs> um, she attacks him and uh, feeds on him with blood all over the place. Mm -hmm. And then after she's sated, she takes a shotgun and blows his head off so that he can't come back as a vampire. Oh, great. She's got a method. And so when the <laughs> cops find him then, Joe shows up and his boss is uh, really pissed because she's like, we don't know how many of these cops are on the take. You know, you just blew your fucking cover. And he's, he's there because, you know, when you get in deep on these undercover things, you end up becoming friends with these people, even though you're, you're looking to turn them in and get them in prison and all that stuff. It's, it would be tough not to end up actually becoming friends with them. And you kind of have to, if you're going to really be deep undercover. So he's there and he's just like, I just saw this guy last night and I can't believe this happened. So she's upset. She takes him off the case, uh, his boss, and then publicly um, puts him on television, oh, basically make sure to blow his cover so that wow. he can't do anything and then takes him off and says, you know, look, you're done. You can't even be seen around here. Oh my God. So the next night, uh, Marie, the vampire, she seduces Sally, the shark who, uh, <laughs> who takes her back to his mansion for dinner. Um, she is warded off when he tries to serve her garlic mussels <laughs> oh, and she actually tries to escape through the bathroom window, uh, but finds that there's bars over the window and everything. So she's kind of stuck there. Her plan of killing this guy is kind of gone awry. And then he busts into the bathroom and attempts to rape her. And so uh -huh. she, uh, she kills him. Sure. Overpowers him, drains his blood. But before she can finish him off, Sal's limousine driver busts in and uh, starts shooting at her and she's forced to flee. Uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, Joe Gennaro, he uh, shows up on the scene and his whole character now is uh, just being constantly reprimanded for why are you here? <laughs> You're off the case. You should not be here. All this stuff. So Leave it alone. Right. I, I like this movie because... It is pretty much a straight horror film with just funny elements in it. So, you know, the Sinatra stuff and everything, it's, it's kind of what I try to do when I'm writing is I think that there are funny elements in life, no matter what's going on. And so, you know, picking those things out, which I think that uh, writer Michael Wolk does very well in this. So Gennaro investigates the scene and he ends up following a trail of blood to this nearby church where he uh, finds Marie has broken in and is taking a shower to, you know, clean all the blood off of her and everything. He chases her. Then finally, um, when he gets back to his car, Marie finds him and demands that he drive her to the morgue where Sal was taken. Cause she's mm -hmm. like, you know, I didn't finish him off. He's going to come back as a vampire. So Sal wakes up 
in the morgue. Pretty funny scene um, with everybody. <laughs> They're having a news report. Cor coroner is Frank Oz. So oh, if you don't know what Frank Oz looks like, it doesn't matter. Because as soon as he opens his mouth, you're going to be like, is that Yoda? Is that Miss Piggy? Because you know, he just, he sounds like that when he's talking. Oh my God. So very funny scene where Sal wakes up and he's freaked out because A, there's a bunch of dead bodies around him. He has no idea he's a vampire. And so he's, uh, he's screaming. The morgue attendant is screaming. The coroner is screaming. And then we cut to just outside the uh, hospital where they are having a, a press thing with the chief of police. And she's talking about, yes, Ali Shark had been killed and all this stuff. Then you see him go running behind her. <laughs> and the, the reporters are all like, is that Sal? And then you see the morgue attendant go running after him. Oh my God. And then you see Frank Oz ready to screen. And he realizes he's on TV and he just kind of stops like a deer in the headlight. And then he's like, ah, and takes off running also. So <laughs> there's a bunch of nonsense going on after this where, uh, I don't know. They're, they're trying to hunt down um, Sal and Sal is slowly but surely turning his whole gang into vampires. Uh, one of the oh, best man. ones is uh, he turns Don Rickles into a vampire. So if you've ever wanted to see Don Rickles as a vampire, this is your <laughs> one chance. Pretty great too. It's a pretty great scene where he's in the hospital and he finally dies after being fed on mm. and then pops back to life as a vampire. And he's uh chasing or he's, he's slowly coming up behind the nurse in his room and you can tell he's going to attack her and she suddenly opens the windows and sunlight streams in and he bursts into flame and uh, <laughs> all the hospital workers are trying to hold him down because they don't know what's going on and one of his arms breaks off in the fire. Oh <laughs> it's just this hilarious scene with everybody just screaming <laughs> and meanwhile because it's daytime Gennaro and Marie have ended up having to hole up for the day in a hotel um, where she seduces him and frankly, a, a very hot sex scene with <laughs> handcuffs to make him feel better and stuff like that. Cause she's, she's coming on strong to him and he's like, you know what? No, I don't trust you. And she's, she says, oh, well, you know, will this make you feel better? And so she cuffs herself Aww. and he's like, oh, well, all right. So then they start having, <laughs> they start having sex. And, uh, as oh soon as she God. gets into it, she just breaks the cuffs. <laughs> <laughs> The cuffs mean nothing. <laughs> yeah. And so the next night, um, Sally the Shark travels to this strip club that he owns. And everyone, of course, is like, wait, I heard you were dead. And he's like, no, no, no. Um, come up to the office. I want to talk to you about something. Oh, my God. And he just starts killing his guys one by one. Um, so he'll he'll bring up two guys and then uh, he buzzes down, you know, hey, send up Johnny. You know, <laughs> pretty soon he's got this army of vampires. And it ends up with a pretty, pretty decent third act with a lot of shooting in the head and all that stuff. No wooden stakes. Uh, to kill the vampires, you basically just blow their head off. Ah. Yeah, you know, that seems like it would be effective. It seems that way to me. It also seems to me like the whole wooden stake thing is like, uh, I mean, if you stabbed anything in the heart with a wooden stake, sure. that would pretty much do it. So maybe that whole vampire mythology <laughs> was just, all you got to really do is, you know, some kind of massive trauma. Yeah. <laughs> The problem with this is it is low budget mm. and there's not enough of Landis's humor in it. Landis wrote American Werewolf in London, which I think is oh. like as good as you can get for horror comedy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And 
this, I feel like he's trying to kind of push this, you know, here's my vampire version of American Werewolf, but it doesn't have as big of laughs. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason is the laughs in American Werewolf are, of course, uh, his buddy who's (laughs) dissolving away in front of our eyes. And it's so (laughs) uncomfortable to look at, but he's still his same character. There's nothing really like that going on in this. Uh, I do have a little bit of trivia. Originally, originally, <laughs> Jack Shoulder was set to direct Lara Flynn Boyle and Dennis Hopper in the film. Whoa. Lara Flynn Boyle was going to be the vampire. Dennis Hopper was going to be the mob boss. After Shoulder backed out due to creative differences, John Landis stepped in and replaced Boyle and Hopper with Anne Pariad and Robert Logia. L as in Logia. <laughs> <laughs> um, Landis had been sent to direct another vampire film. Uh, called, oh, Red Sleep, but I think it was called Red Skies from what I've heard Mick Garris talking about. Hmm. But anyway, this was a uh, vampire film that starred Wayne Newton as a Las Vegas lounge singer who was bitten and seduced by a female vampire. Hmm. I wanted to see that movie so bad. (laughs) Uh, When the failures of Landis's Oscar... Stallone, 91, Mm -hmm. and Silver's Hudson Hawk, also 91, killed that project, Landis moved on to this movie. Mm. The original cast when director, director Jack Shoulder was attached to the film included Vigo Mortensen as Jack oh. Gennaro or Joe Gennaro. And uh, Miguel Ferrer was one of the mobsters. Uh, John Landis said preview audiences had trouble understanding Anne Period's heavy French accent, but he refused to dub her. Thanks a fucking lot. It is difficult to tell what she is saying in a lot of the scenes, and she is narrating the film. Oh, man. And it's like, look, you don't have to dub her. Just go in and let's ADR this until she gets it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Get her a voice coach for like, you know, a week. Yeah. And then, yeah. Something. It is, it is a difficult part of the film. Mm. Um, as usual, in every John Landis film. See You Next Wednesday is advertised on the marquee across the street from the Melody Lounge exotic dance bar. And then there's a ton of um, cameos in this film. So Dario Argento is in this. Frank Oz, of course. Sam Raimi has a scene that's very funny. Hmm. Forrest J. Ackerman makes it in there. And then Tom Savini is a uh, a photographer, a photojournalist who's trying to get the scoop on the story. Stuff like that. (laughs) Not a perfect film, not even a great film, but a fun film. It was really neat to go back and watch it. I think I liked it a little less this time than Mm. I liked it the first time, but that's just because I knew where everything was going. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that's mine. Mm. Enthusiastic pick. (laughs) Yeah, I know. What are you going to do? I didn't want to do something that everybody's seen or that everybody's liked. I'm just glad you didn't do uh, Birkenhair. Which is another John Landis uh, comedy (laughs) film, which I saw an early cut of in film school and he came by to show it and it was racist. It was racist. Oh, it was unbelievably racist. (laughs) It was uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know what the final cut looked like because I did not want to watch that movie again. I wonder if he wrote it or... I don't know. I mean... I don't know. I don't really know much about John Landis except that he's a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) And he um, made that son... But he did do the the Blues Brothers, which has a heavy black in, cast. And I know yeah. that he fought hard against the studio because the studio was saying, uh, we can't show this movie in the South. And he was like, why not? He said, There's too many black people in it. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Because like, you know, I don't know if it, somebody else wrote it. I don't know if it was because he's a much older man now. 
and right. he thinks he's being funny and it's not coming like the world is too woke for <laughs> what he is trying to do. Right. But it seemed like it was one of those things where it was trying to be progressive and it was coming back very bad. Wow. Yeah. I think I saw that film and I don't remember a goddamn thing about it. Sure. Sounds yeah. about right. I think it has Simon Pegg in it. I was going to say, yeah. does it have Simon yeah. Pegg in it? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, because uh, there was that other Broken Hair story that I talked about that was a, I, a I, challenge I, film. I uh, mm -hmm. I Sell the Dead. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I'm glad you picked this film. Oh, good. <laughs> is what I was trying to say. <laughs> Sounds amazing. This is the part... Well, wait a second, Eric. This is the part where I get to pick... No, you get to pick, don't you, I, Vanessa? I do Shit. get to pick. It's not your turn yet. I, I Just chill. I'm going to hold on to mine. Um, well, so Hold your water, dude. <laughs> um, so we're in, we're in October, we're nearing Halloween and, mm -hmm. um, I, I just want to re, uh, revisit something that is old territory. It is something that we've talked about multiple times before, but it's never, it never ceases to be fun and there's always new content for it. So I'm just going to say ghost movies. I like it. I especially yeah. like it around Halloween. I think that all of the old stand. Eyes yeah. are great, right? Vampires, werewolves, malignants. Malignants. That's the long tradition of movies about malignants. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, I like that. That'll be, what, our fifth episode of Ghosts? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Right yeah. up there. It's amazing. I mean, there's just so much content. Well, yeah. You can't, you mm -hmm. can't run out. So. I like it. Okay. Now this is the part where I thank everybody for... Uh, yeah. Being a part of the value for value model, Thank you. Um, sending Thank us you. Uh, ideas for shows, ideas for movies they want us to watch, uh, liking and sharing the posts. All of that stuff means so much to us. Love you guys so much. I do want to throw out, um, so uh, you guys remember a couple weeks back, I, uh, I started a bromance with Carlos Zamora and yeah. CZ Media. <laughs> yep. And... Um, I want to throw out to him and remind him, I, I got to uh, hang out with him and his lovely wife uh, last night, actually. And we started talking about podcasts and uh, Carlos, get yourself an RSS feed. I had to admit to him that I don't listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify oh. and that I do <laughs> listen on my Zoom, <laughs> which uh, he, he was actually like, what is that? What's he doesn't know what a Zoom is? <laughs> Oh, that's fair. Come on, that's fair. I mean, how long ago did they stop making zooms? But the jokes around zooms were so prolific. I mean, he might have just been busting my balls by not knowing. But but Carlos, get yourself an RSS feed so I can subscribe and listen uh, the way I like to listen. And while I'm saying that, I want to reach out to Andrew Byers, another listener, uh, with his Friday Night Fright Fest. Oh yeah, same thing, man. I, uh, where's your RSS feed? I can't listen to it. If I have to listen to it on the computer, I'm going to listen to it less. Hmm. Just cranking out the can't figure out my phone stuff, man. Well, Eric, do you remember when we started this? I was like, hey, could you could you put up an RSS feed for this <laughs> yeah. so I could listen to our own show? <laughs> <laughs> Make it accessible to at least one person, that being you. Eric then tells me, you know, I can look and see how everybody listens. And we have <laughs> one listener every episode who listens through Zoom. I was like, oh, that must be me. <laughs> <laughs> we have one very dedicated Zoom. Uh, Zoomite? Zooner? Zoonit? 
I'm a, I'm a Zooner, I guess. I'm sure it's <laughs> out there, some word out there someplace. Yeah. Okay. So that's all I got to say. Anything you want to add to that, you guys? Yeah. Uh, if you want to listen to our podcast, there's all these apps you can get. That you can get podcasts. You don't need an RSS feed. They do that for you. <laughs> I'm not sure. Is that even English? What are you saying? You're all awesome. Yeah. Come out, visit our Etsy store. I know I was looking around at pricing of individual podcast stores versus Etsy. We're kind of pricey on Etsy, but if you go out to like any other podcasts and they have their own stores, we're right in line with what they're doing. So I feel a little bit better about our pricing. Mm -hmm. If you compare us to Etsy, yeah, we are higher above. But if you're going to buy from independent podcasters like us, we can't sell by volume. Yeah, we, we didn't buy 10,000 shirts in the hopes. They would sell them for $5 each. Yeah, so. and you guys have no but, excuse because I just did a big Etsy order right. of our own stuff. Oh, so yeah? Let's see your underwear. Uh, I did order some underwear. We will see how that turns out. I want to know from a girl's perspective if it matches the quality of your guys' experience. I'll be happy to let you know. Yeah, you let you'll, you'll let so me you know. borrow it, wear it, compare it. There's no borrowing. Will, You're will, gonna buy your own. I will put it on my head. And we will see if that's how uh, it looks. Good lord. A R T Y. Oh my god. All right, let's wrap this up yes, before please, it gets quickly. any weirder. Thanks again to everybody. We're gonna be back in one week, and we are talking g -g 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 ghosts. Ooh. Our show is recorded somewhere high above Naval Station Everett at the nexus of all realities and is engineered and produced by Eric Margaret. Our theme music is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade and is used with permission. Find Strange Eons Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and wherever fine podcasts are found. My dance will do the rest of my critique. <laughs>